Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. I am recording. Okay, so am I. Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, right? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Well, I guess it's Friday when the people are hearing this, though. So happy Friday. It's Wednesday for us. We got you through the week. Congrats. Mm-hmm. We did it. We did it again. Happy, uh, yay. Happy inauguration day. Uh, you know, happy Garth Brooks performed on national television day. <laughs> That's really what I'm going to be talking about. <clears throat> yeah, that was the best part, honestly. Uh, I was surprised to see him. Happy to see him. Uh, and feel a little bit at home. I was a little disappointed he didn't sing, you know, one of his hits. But I guess God Bless America will do. That's fine. It'll work. I heard that Lady Gaga was singing the national anthem. I guess I completely missed that part because I don't recall. I didn't watch the whole thing because uh, I was at work. So I just watched snippets. So, you know, I, I saw I saw the most important part. Garth Brooks came out, so. Oh, oh, and Joe and uh, Joe Biden was there too. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. Forgot about him. Don't know who he is. Ain't never heard of him before. No. But you know, he looked. Pre- his wife looked cute. So that's something. Look, <laughs> he a little up and coming guy. You know, I hope it. A little known. A little known artist. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to this is gonna sound weird. A weekly podcast where we talk about you know weird things like politicians, ghosts. Uh, you know, murderers, things of that nature. Yes, yes. Welcome. I'm Taylor. And I am Sydney. And this week's theme is... Mythical Creatures. I was excited about this week's theme specifically because I feel like it is very kind of old-timey and I am interested into anything related to like mythology medieval you know things of that nature so i feel that i am as well uh i feel like you know mine i tried to like keep it a mix of like history but also some like fun you know modern modern things as well because you know not everybody just wants a historical account what of where the hell a mythical <laughs> creature came from well i don't want to hang out with them people because i love a good a good history lesson but i also took like history besides the writing was always my favorite subject in school the writing can kiss my ass true hey i minored it in, in uh, undergrad so i'm basically an expert god <laughs> we got a regular historian w- in the house I wanted to be a major in history, but my dad said that in case I didn't make it to law school, I better stick with political science, which now that I think back on it, I really don't know how that was any better because I don't know what the hell I do with political science at this point. Yeah. Would you work in the, the would you work in politics or the science field? I don't know because I don't really know what political science is. Couldn't say. I hate both. Uh, I hate politics. I learned that from four years of talking about it and uh, science. Uh, absolutely not. I'm d- I'm out on that. I'm also out on science. Although I do find it interesting. Uh, I quickly realized junior year of high school that when I took chemistry, I was like, "Ooh, gotta go." And nope, it was not for me. Too much math. Science involves too much math, and math is really 
absolutely I can't mm -mm. I can't even barely add I gotta use my fingers when I put a tip on a damn like receipt at a restaurant okay like a three dollar fucking tip or whatever so yeah I get that I can't do it I always gotta get the calculator out um it ain't for me I like it when you get those receipts where the they already tell you at the bottom how much to tip real simple for me mm -hmm. those are those are perfect because also I always try to leave 20% but sometimes I don't trust myself that I actually know how to calculate 20% even with a calculator I don't <laughs> so I always go about a, a dollar over just in case I also am always like sometimes I would do 20% and I'm like only that the tip is only two dollars might as well might as well throw a few more bucks at them Online. You always gotta leave three. No, I always leave three no matter what it is. Unless it's like, you know, just like a little cheap beer. Like if the beer is $3, I'm not gonna leave a $3 tip on the $3 beer most likely. What am I, Bill Gates? I, Absolutely not. I know. Like, I ain't rolling in money now. Not yet? I know. Not yet. I hope. Hopefully one day. Maybe. Yeah, I hope so. You can take me on a vacation. Me too. For all these, Shit, for all these years of service I provided you. I'll take you to Myrtle Beach. Oh. We'll do it real nice. Real nice. <laughs> get you, get one of them. Well, we won't be able to afford oceanfront. I had to get some a few blocks from the ocean, but you know, we'll know what's we out can there. Go to Ocean Lakes and go to Ocean Lakes. Okay, you get to Ocean and you got lakes. Uh, the lakes are pretty much just little tiny nasty ponds, but you know, you get the effect. Mm. You ever been there? I never been there. Um, you know, mm. I, I'll, you're lucky. I guess I'll add it to the bucket list, but uh. Oh no! I'll think about it. You know, uh, while we record this episode, I'll think about where you can take me. Uh, it sounds good. But uh, who went last? Who went first last week? Was it me? Uh, no, no, it was me. Oh, okay. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna go first this week. Uh, uh, my brain is complete mush this week. I do apologize. Will I make coherent ser sentences as I? tell my story probably not but mm, that's just like any other week i guess mm -hmm. but this week for my mythical creature i will be discussing the basilisk e ever I heard of it i don't know you said you texted me that and said it was in harry potter but i don't even recall that part of harry potter uh, it was it was a pretty pretty interesting and uh important part of one of the films but uh we'll talk about that just a little bit later um so if you're like taylor and you're like what the hell is a basilisk i'm gonna fucking tell you all right don't, don't you even worry about it first let me tell you my sources not trying to get sued uh i've used wikipedia smithsonianmagazine.com aspects history on youtube the uh, basiljournal.com, confuzzledome.com, and nationalgeographics.com. Nice. So, the word basilisk originates from the Greek form basiliskos, which means little king, little prince, or young ruler. It is said that the basilisk is the king of serpents or ruler of reptiles and that just the sound of its hiss is enough to send other serpents flying from it uh okay i didn't realize it was going to be a snake so maybe i do remember 
<laughs> well, let's get into it. It might, might surprise you. So, the beast is known as the king because of a crown-shaped crest on its head. The basilisk is described in some origins as a large snake, which I think is how most people perceive it to be, uh, while others describe it as a rooster with a snake-like tail and bat-like wings being part reptile and part cockatiel. Not (laughs) Not cockatiel. Cockerel. And, okay, so before we go any further, uh, I was like, when I was doing my research, I kept seeing the word cockerel. And I was like, what the fuck is a cockerel? So, if you are also wondering what the hell a cockerel is, a cockerel is basically a word from, like, Old English, which just refers to either, like, a young rooster or, like, just a rooster or just basically it's a fucking chicken. Is basically like a, like you know, a, a cock cockerel. Cock is another word for a bird. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> so, it's just an old timey word, I guess. So okay, I'll believe it for now. So while the description of how the creature appears may vary depending on the origin, the following characteristics of the basilisk are as followed. And this is pretty much universal, no matter, you know, what you think it looks like. This is what what is probably going to check off the boxes to be a basilisk. So, a basilisk has the ability to kill anyone it looks at. So, if you make eye contact with the basilisk, you will die. The basilisk... Wow. What? <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> he got no friends. He can't look in a damn mirror. He don't know what his hair looked like that day. Anyway, he killed himself if he looks in the mirror. Indeed. God dang. So, the basilisk is also known for being very venomous. And even after death, the venom of the basilisk has the ability to kill a man just standing nearby. Its body even secretes venom, leaving it deadly to the touch. So basically, if you were to somehow, you know, kill a basilisk and, you know, it's bleeding out everywhere, the smell of the blood would be enough, like, would be toxic enough that it would just kill those who walked by. Damn, what the hell? Why? Why? Just stanky. Why did God create this? stanky, I guess. He's so, he's so stanky, like that episode of Spongebob, where he run around the, the town because he's so fucking stanky. He almost killed a bitch. Not quite. <laughs> uh, okay, so, it the basilisk can breathe fire. The breath of the basilisk is enough to kill and has been known to turn stone to dust. So, once again, not only does it have bad B.O., it also has evidently terrible breath. Sounds like me. Yeah, it sounds. I got I got basilisk breath in the morning. That's why I, when I take my retainer out in the morning, good lord, good luck. This morning, when Brandon, uh, you know, gave me a kiss on his way to work, I was like, he like kissed my cheek. I was like, hey, can I get a kiss on the lip? He was like, only if you promise to leave your lips completely closed and pursed, so I don't have to smell your breath. 
So yeah, I understand what a basilisk is going through. Listen. It's hard. It's hard out here for a basilisk. <laughs> I don't even think I'm saying that right. I'm probably not saying half these words correct, so it'll be all right. <laughs> and weasels and cockerels can kill a basilisk, and it's said that the smell of a weasel's urine can kill a basilisk. I don't know. Okay, that's. Basically, basically what I'm getting out of this is a lot of people are very sensitive to smells. So, (laughs) I mean, shit. The smell of somebody's stank-ass pee probably would make me throw up as well. Would it it kill me? I couldn't say. (laughs) So, the basilisk destroys all shrubs, not only by its contact, but those even that breathed upon it. So, like, if a basilisk was, you know, going through the grass, the grass that it touches would die, but then say it breathed on a flower, that flower would also die. What the heck? It uh, was formerly a general belief that if a man on horseback killed a basilisk with a spear... That not only would the poison run through the weapon and kill the man, but it would also kill the horse that the man was riding on. Pretty potent stuff. Sounds. This is getting a little true crimey to me. <laughs> Who's out here killing all these people? Fucking Basque Lisk. <laughs> Or whatever the hell you want to call him, Mr. B. Mr. The B stands for bitch ass. It stands for Mr. Big from Sex in the City. Oh my god. Why? I don't understand why he's killing everybody. I mean, I guess it ain't his fault. It's, but a, it's, a, it's just a tough life, I guess. I know, so lonely. So It is said that a basilisk comes to be when a cockerel lays an egg that is then watched over by a snake or toad, or an egg is laid by a snake or toad and a cockerel sits on the egg until it is hatched. So uh, I found in some some of my references that basically a chicken would lay an egg, and I don't know how, but I guess a toad or a snake would end up sitting on the egg similar to how a chicken sits on an egg and waits for it to hatch but Mm -hmm. in others i found that the snake or toad are the ones that lay the egg and i guess a chicken's like "Mm, my job's to sit on an egg you know (laughs) either way out pops a basilisk the best way to defeat a basilisk if you happen to not have a weasel on hand (laughs) is to carry something reflective with you, such as a mirror, and the creature would spot their own reflection in the mirror and die. Mm -hmm. One of the earliest accounts of the basilisk comes from Pliny the Elder's Natural History, written in roughly 79 AD. So a new release... He describes a monstrous cow-like creature of which all who beholds its eyes fall dead upon the spot. 
Earlier descriptions of the creature also describe it as more of a huge snake, which is how I perceive it. Mm-hmm. Similar to a king cobra, modern day king cobras, much like the basilisk, are known to spit venom. And a modern day king cobra's enemy is a badger, more specifically, a honey badger. You know, honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't care. <laughs> which a honey badger is immune to the venom of a cobra, much like a badger is immune to the venom of a basilisk. And that's why honey badger don't give a fuck. A basilisk can't even kill him. He kill a basilisk. He just <laughs> chomp him up, eat him. Tastes good. The and the legend of the basilisk is peppered throughout literature throughout the years. In Shakespeare's play Richard III, the character Anne Neville says that she wishes she had the eyes of a basilisk to kill her husband's murderer. Mm. The basilisk is noted in Leonardo da Vinci's Bestiary, where he mentions the weasels are immune to the venom and the stare of the basilisk. Geoffrey Chaucer, who wrote the Canterbury Tales, said that the crow of a cockerel is enough to turn a basilisk to ash, and with that ash, a sorcerer's stone can be made. Which, I feel like, as I started to do research for this episode, I really was like, man, J.K. Rowling did a bit more research than I initially thought. We all know that the first book is The Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, so that little, you probably gonna talk about it, but now I, now, now I know where we're, I know where we're at now. I, I know how this relate to Harry Potter. <laughs> Just a bit. The basilisk was so feared in medieval Europe that its image has been used in many places to deter others from invading. The town of Basel, located in Switzerland, has several images of the basilisk throughout its streets. Legend has it that a basilisk once lived in a cave below the site of what is now, now I'm going to butcher this, Gerberbrunnen, uh, which is also known as Tanner's Fountain. And if you visit the fountain today, there is an inscription on the fountain that tells you the tale of the basilisk. It was said that the basilisk would crawl into wells or cellars and wait for unsuspecting men to breathe its toxic aroma and perish. And there is a, specifically, a article by National Geographic that retells a story of how this basilisk ended up in the cellar of this home and ended up killing two little girls And so the town, in order to defeat the beast, sent in this prisoner into the cellar below and covered him Mm. up in, like, reflective gear so that they, that he could, like, capture the basilisk and that it could be killed. So Mm -hmm. this was common practice, I guess, that the basilisk would just, like, (laughs) hide in cellars and whatnot. Uh, And according to the... Exorcitation of Julius Scaliger in the 19th century during the 
Leo IV's rule, a basilisk concealed itself underneath an arch near the temple of Luca in Rome, and the creature's odor caused such devastating plague that the Pope had to do a slew of prayers in order to save the town. Good God. I guess uh, now we gotta get the... Everybody was smelling the stank-ass basilisk, <laughs> and they were getting so sick and dying that the Pope was like, oh my God. What is happening? Did it, did it say what he smells like? Like, what do it smell like? I guess... Garbage? I don't know what he smells like. I guess because anybody who smells it would be dead, so be pretty hard to you would to figure that out you would think that like you know if you smell it right as you're dying you'll be like it smells like uh right next and then you die <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly what i think my last dying breath would be for <laughs> it's like what was the last thing she said she said it smells like rotten eggs and then she died <laughs> Nah, nah. Uh, I don't. I don't know about that. I'll think it over. I'll think it. To be fair, I feel like it would be like a bitter smell. Like you know, it's like it burn your nostrils a little bit. Like not even like a smell. More just like a you breathe it and it kind of burns. That's what I'm picturing. But I mean, we couldn't say because everybody who smelt it dealt it and died. (laughs) I guess. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I almost kind of think it would smell kind of like. I don't know, like, I guess, like, gasoline or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Go, go smell one. Uh, Report your findings. I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll check back with y'all next week. Uh, in 1202, in Vienna, a mysterious outbreak of fainting fits were traced to a basilisk that had hidden in a well, and hunters were sent out to search for the beast which was luckily dead by the time they arrived. <laughs> uh, then, the people of Basel, which I mentioned earlier, ha- that has a lot of statues throughout their town of the basilisk, they were so terrified of the beast that in an instance where a cockerel laid a particularly long egg, the people of the town became <laughs> so paranoid that they actually put the cockerel, like the fucking chicken, on trial and had <laughs> and had the chicken executed by beheading it and then burned the remains as well as the egg. So, like, they thought the egg might be a little, like, have a little snake in it because it was unusually long? Yeah, I guess it just didn't look like a regular chicken egg and they were like, oof, can't risk it. Oh my god. Can't risk Listen, you can't risk it. You can't risk it. I mean, that's true. I don't want a basilisk hanging around my house. Mm-mm. He got to go. He'd be stanky, stanking up your house. I don't know. Be killing me when I try to walk out the door just to go, go to class or something? No, absolutely not. Now, when I think of a basilisk, I think of just a, just a huge-ass snake. Like the one mm-hmm. in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Is this ringing a bell for you now? Yeah, yeah. If maybe you haven't seen Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, first of all, I highly recommend. It is one of my 
uh, more favorites of the Harry Potter films. That's just me. I used to go to Blockbuster Video. I used to rent that one on repeat. Don't ask me why. So, in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, basically there's just this huge ass snake underneath the school, picking off people, killing people by um, looking at it, looking at them basically. And so, if they make eye contact with the uh, basilisk. It'll, it'll kill them. So, that is what I think of when I think of what a basilisk is. However, a common depiction is more of that chicken-like figure. You know, part chicken, part snake. Which I think in uh, Basil, that is what most of their statues depict. Is more of a chicken-like figure. But, I think one of the reasons that the images of like a snake and a chicken you know they're not neither one is necessarily wrong or right because the word basilisk and the word cockerel have been interchangeable for years in hmm. i'm looking at a picture in isaiah fourteen twenty nine of the bible the passage reads out of one serpent's roots shall come forth a basilisk and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. However, in a... N- you okay? I sneezed. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, however, in another translation of the same text, a basilisk is changed out for the word cockatrice. Now, today, the basilisk can be seen in pop culture... Most famously, J.K. Rowling put her own spin on the Basilisk in the second Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, as I've already mentioned. However, I couldn't find any instances of people spotting Basilisk in modern day. It's not like other mythical creatures where some people report seeing it. I don't know if maybe this, if the Basilisk was maybe alive at one point. And maybe has died out. I mean, it's got to be difficult, you know, to uh, to stick around when you can't, you know, can't mate with anybody. And I don't, I don't know many people who have chickens that let snakes hang out with their chickens. <laughs> it don't seem, yeah, that's true. It don't seem like it will work out very well. The, however, the plumed basilisk, also called the green basilisk is named after the creature. It is a double-crested basilisk, or Jesus Christ lizard, and is a species uh-huh. of lizard in, uh, in, uh, that is native to Central America. So that's pretty much, uh, from what I can tell, would be your closest chance of being in the presence of a basilisk. Uh, it very well may be that the basilisk is still out there and just everybody who's seen it, I guess, is fucking dead. Yeah, that would make sense, you know, you can't really have sightings uh-huh. if everybody did. But that is just a brief history of the basilisk. Thank you. I actually did not know anything about a basilisk. I didn't even, I didn't read the Harry Potter book books uh so i guess i never realized like what that snake thingy in the chamber of secrets was but you know now it makes sense she she really did do her research on that one yes i really enjoyed that is 
again, probably one of my favorite of the Harry Potters. I, but I also read the books in elementary school uh, whenever we had to do... Did you ever do AR? Yes, fuck AR. For anyone who doesn't know what AR is, basically it is what they made the students in public school do where you would read a book and certain books had more points. So if it was a bigger book, it had more points. And you had to obtain a certain amount of points each semester. And so you'd read a book and then you'd have to take a quiz on the book. And if you, you know, if say a Harry Potter book was like 50 points and you took the quiz and you got 100 on the quiz, you got 50 points. So basically, I would read a Harry Potter book every year, try to get my points up. I don't know if, I don't know if it really helped me in the long run in life. <laughs> if uh, if this AR thing is worth a damn, but I, it was not worth a damn. I read a lot of Harry Potter jo- books out of it. Mm. I joined the Junior Book Challenge like a year before they usually let people join because they thought I was real smart. Well, they gave me the task of reading Hatchet like very quickly, but because I read it, I had to take an AR test on it, and I didn't understand it worth a shit. I was way too young to be reading it, and so I took a test on it and I failed it. And I cried and cried. And they were like, it's okay, you're too young. And I was like, then why the fuck did you make me read this? It really scarred me until this day, clearly. I thought it was a pretty good book, but... Well, I never never went back to it. I didn't read it again because I was scarred, like, at a young age from it. I don't even know what happened anymore. I think it was like he got, like, lost in the woods or something. I don't remember exactly. Look, just read Spirit Bear if you want to. I think it's called Spirit Bear. Catching Spirit Bear? Anyways, it's it's kind of the same deal, but it's got a, a fun bear in it. You know what I'm saying? I do, I do. Or the bear, ki- or the bear killed him. I can't or remember. Or just read the bear and steam bears. <laughs> Better. Yeah, just do that. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. You go ahead. But, you let me know what mythical creature you are doing as if I don't already know. I I bet you don't know. I switched it up on you last minute. Did you really? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> uh, when I texted you and told you what I was doing, uh, I pretty much had already finished. So I was really hoping you weren't going to be like, oh, man, I already did that. <laughs> so I'm doing the mermaid. Dun, dun, dun. The mermaid? The one and only mermaid. Live and in action, Las Vegas, Nevada, January 21st, 2022. Get your tickets now. Uh, so these are my sources. So my first one is rgm.co.uk, uh, and RGM stood for Royal Museums Greenwich. I think you say it like that. Like, it's, like It looks like green. Like Greenwich Village. Yeah, but I guess it's, it's not, yeah. I don't, yep, somewhere in the UK. Anyways, the uh, the article title was, What is Mermaid and What Do They Symbolize? Also use FolkloreThursday.com, and it was from 
top mermaid sightings in the last century that are hard to deny by Molly Beck. And obviously Wikipedia. And then I use jacksdivinglocker.com. So I was listening to a podcast the other day and they like would mention the the names of the people who wrote the article. So I was like, if I can find the name of the person who wrote it, then I'm a, I'll try to say it from here on anyways. So you may be wondering if you don't know, what, what is a mermaid? You, if you've never heard of one, you know, if you never watched The Little Mermaid, uh, it's basically a creature that lives in the sea and it's often described to have uh, the head and torso of a woman, or could be a man, typically a woman, and a fish tail for legs. So, stories of mermaids have existed for thousands and thousands of years. And apparently, like, cultures all over the entire world have their own, like, version of a mermaid. And the funny thing is, like, the stories can, they range, it said, all the way from coastal areas in Ireland, even to uh, the landlocked desert in South Africa. So everybody, everybody want a piece of the mermaid. I don't know uh, what it does in South Africa in the desert. Maybe they just talk about it. I would think maybe uh, that's something, like, if you're in the desert... Maybe you start hallucinating like it's a mirage or something. You see a mermaid out yeah. there. Maybe she takes you to safety. Yeah, that's true. Or she takes you to death and destruction. You don't know. It depends. Hopefully so, she takes you not yeah. to death and destruction. But but she might. <laughs> so throughout time, you know, they haven't always been called mermaids in every culture. But at least the modern term that we use in English um, is, is obviously mermaid. And it's a compound of mare, I think you would say it, mare or mer, uh, which means sea in Old English. And then maid means, you know, young girl or woman. So it's basically like a, a sea girl, an ocean girl. I live at the beach. I'm an ocean girl. I'm a beach. <laughs> that's what Sydney no, I'm is. A, I'm an ocean girl. Yeah, that's me. Grew up at the beach. Uh, so it's likely that, uh, legends of mermaids reach even far, like further into the past than we like even can fathom or have any, you know, like knowledge of, but one of the earliest legends of the mermaid appeared in Assyria around 1000 BC. And it's a legend of the goddess Atargatis. Uh, she was in love with a mortal, but she accidentally killed him. So did she so she dove into a lake because she wanted to take the form of a fish because she was so ashamed that she'd killed her lover however it said the water could not conceal her divine beauty and her bottom half became a fish but her top half got stuck as a woman because they needed to preserve her beauty there was another like alternate to that that when she jumped in the water her, like, I guess the other gods were like, hey, now, girl, you're so beautiful. We can't let that pretty face go to waste. So they let her legs be turned into a fish and her face be turned in still a person. But either way, she's too pretty. She's too pretty to have that face concealed. They really said, I can't. why can't we have both? I know, which I cannot relate. If I jumped into the water and I was like, I want to be a fish, they would be like, oh, thank the Lord we get to get rid of that face. <laughs> um... So, archaeologists have found um, a figure of Atagartus on ancient temples, statues, and even coins. So, they have, like, depictions of her, like, as she, like, turned into, like, a fish lady, basically. 
Also, early Bretons, such as the Celts, they have folklore about mermaids, but up until this point, there are no, like, images that have been discovered from, like, that, uh, I don't know if you would consider, I'll just say people, like, from that part of the world, there's not any images from way back in the day, but they're pretty sure that they also had mermaid folklore. Uh, the earliest depiction of a mermaid in England is in the Norman Chapel in Durham Castle, and it was built around 1078. Now, I didn't say if this was B.C. or A.D. Either way, it was a long time ago. Uh, and it was built by Saxon stonemasons, and the depiction is an odd carving, and it has a mermaid with, like, two leopards beside her, and then some, like, hunting scenes just kind of strewn in there. Hmm. Which I, I thought is odd. Uh, well, I don't understand why a leopard's with a mermaid, but you know what? Maybe he was. Maybe he was making a statement piece with that. You know. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not gonna really criticize it too much. I mean, it, she is half woman, half fish, so anything's possible. That is true. So now the current concept of mermaids, like in our in our like Western culture is likely influenced by the sirens from Greek mythology, uh, and especially those from Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey. Oh, yes. I, f- I remember reading that. I, rem- I remember reading that in fucking freshman year of high school, and I personally really liked it, but I'm also very into mythology, because uh, I almost did the, uh, what's it called? The Cyclops this week. Uh-huh. But I was like, that might be that might be a little too close to home, because Taylor's doing the sirens. But I liked watching uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou in class after reading that. Well, I um, also have a, a past with the Odyssey that's not great, because I read it in sixth grade when it absolutely made no sense to me. And so I was very confused throughout the whole thing. I don't know why my school was like, hey... Let's get let's let the sixth graders read the Odyssey. That's not a book for an eleven year old, okay? It's just not. No, it's got some it's got some interesting adult themes that I don't uh-huh. think I even quite grasped as a freshman in high school. So I couldn't no. imagine well, I didn't. trying to read it in the sixth grade. Absolutely not. But so you know, in the Odyssey, the sirens. When I pictured them, I pictured them as mermaids, like little ladies, like laying out on the on the rocks, singing to the men, be like, "Hey, come over here to me. We're so beautiful." And then they get over there, and you know, they just like kill them and like destroy them and make them have all bad sorts of shit happen to them. But it turns out the original sirens were actually like half bird, half woman. So instead of being like fish-like, they were bird-like. But it wasn't until the Christian era that, um, like, the sirens started to be thought of as like a kind of like a mermaid. So I thought that was interesting because I did not know that in the Odyssey they were initially supposed to be like half bird, half woman. No, I definitely thought I definitely thought they, I definitely <laughs> thought they were fish because I was like, oh, they drown them. That's that makes sense. Well, I thought they were fish because, like, they were in the ocean. Like, that makes more sense, right? <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't there when Homer wrote this, so. Well, I guess the Christians thought that made more sense because they pretty much were like, you know what? They're fish ladies, and we're sticking by that. So, that's, that's what we have today. 
So, the mermaids have a varied history, and honestly, too too much to do it justice, like in every single culture. So, you know, I doc I just told you some of the first depictions of mermaids, um, but I want to talk about some of like the oh my god, text me banging on the door. I'm busy. Um. Anyways, so I want to talk about like in different cultures, like what they symbolize, because in a lot of places they can be like really nice and good. And then some places they're really bad. It just depends. So in West, South and Central Africa, uh, the mermaid is known as Mami Wata, meaning water as mother or mother of the waters. So, in these cultures, the mermaid is a spirit or divinity which is worshipped for its benevolence and offering beauty, healing, and wisdom. And it is like a, like a spirit that wards off natural disasters. Uh, but an interesting tidbit that I thought was in fun was, well, f- fun and not fun at the same time. Uh, following colonialism in the 1600s, the belief in uh, Mami Wata spread across like the entire world, and it was like a way. It became like a really important source for like spiritual connection with African communities, for like you know people who were enslaved and taken like off to wherever they were going. They would use this specific spirit to like reclaim their. Uh, African traditions and cultural identities, which I thought was nice because, you know, Mommy Wata sounds really nice. She's there to help be kind to you, uh, offer you wisdom, and make sure a tornado don't come tear down your house. So, I appreciate her. Uh, so, an E... <laughs> I can't read. So, in Eastern Europe, uh, mermaids can sometimes be known as Rusal. Rusalaki. Oh, Lord. Rusalaki. And they are water nymphs of Slavic mythology. Uh, And they were initially known to be benevolent spirits of fertility and agriculture. But around the 1800s, they kind of switched around a little bit. And people started to think of them as women who had died violent deaths by drowning and in their anger and sadness would lure men and children and would basically drown them in the water so they could all suffer together. Which, you know what? I get that too. If I drowned in the water, I'd be like, y'all over here, you're going to suffer like I did. We're going to suffer together. Uh, I get that. I get that. Like when you, you're having a bad day and so then you call your friends so you could tell them about your bad day and y'all can... You could just be sad together. Y'all can all have a bad day. (laughs) She said, I'm going to take everybody down with me. Uh, For real. Also, I'm like, yeah, of course you're going to take everybody down with you. You used to be known as a nice goddess of fertility. And now people are, they're trying to, you know, cast a negative shadow on your name. Don't let them do that. I know. And I know, you know, it was some men who came up with that story. You know what I'm saying? They always be spinning some shit. I'm sure it was a fisherman, too. They telling them fish tales. I know. They always telling them fish tales. Uh, That's a good movie, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) They get shot shark tales. Oh, yeah. You're right. No, is fish tales not? Yeah, I think you're talking. Shark shark tales tales. is the one where where they're working at the car wash. Oh, yes, yes. That's what I meant. That's a good movie. Uh, So... We also have mermaids in Ireland. They're uh, known as marrows, 
and the they're very beautiful with long green hair and they like resemble our kind of current depiction of a mermaid there are also male marrows in ireland and they are considered to be grotesque and cruel so i bet you a woman wrote that story. <laughs> <laughs> we're switching it up in southeast asia mermaids um, are also known as suvanamaka and they are thought of as a herald of good luck so they're good luck in uh that part of the world and in Western Europe, the mermaid can also be known as the Melusine, which is a feminine spirit found in many medieval uh, European folktales. And she is depicted as having a serpent or fish tail and sometimes has wings. And sometimes the Melusine also, she has like two fish tails. So not just one, she got two. Uh, so maybe. Kind of like the, the Starbucks gal, the lady on the Starbucks yes, yes, thing. The, Mm-hmm. The Starbucks lady is actually, like, when I was looking into it, the Starbucks lady is a Melusine type of mermaid. So, yes. Uh, and one of the most famous legends of, like, a Melusine, uh, I guess kind of maybe how it came to be, it describes her as a girl who tried to get revenge on her human father on behalf of her fairy mother. But... Her mother punished her and gave her a fishtail. So, I guess her mom was kind of like, hey, little girl, why don't you stay on my business? This, this don't concern you. Fishtail. Kind of fucking so, rude. So, that's unfortunate. And that's why no good rude. deed goes unpunished. Look, I thought about doing fairies. Um, because I think fairies can be a little mischievous. But I decided against it. So, maybe, maybe one day we can talk about fairies. Because... I don't really know much about them. I think they're kind of... They sound fun. I'm, I'm kind of scared of them. Because I know, I I know they're up to some bullshit sometimes. I know. I also thought about doing a leprechaun. There just wasn't enough on it. So. Anyways. Mermaids. Uh, have also had a place in uh, sailor folklore for a long time. They've represented both good uh, fortune and disaster. And this likely stemmed from the fact that, you know, the sailors will be out in these unpredictable seas for months, maybe even years. And so they would kind of create, you know, their own superstitions and stories of mermaids. And the conflicting, like, personalities that they would have of mermaids in that they were beautiful and seductive, but they could also be like a monstrous sea creature who would kill you and drown you. Uh is thought to be, like, a representation that sailors would use for, like, the ocean itself. It's violent, yes, yet beautiful, you know? Which I didn't really think about that. I was like, mm, that makes sense. And I feel like also, I feel like in nautical terms, like, everything is feminine, which is interesting. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. Whenever you think of sailors, like, their ship is a woman, the sea is a woman, so... I was listening mm-hmm. to. Uh, so I feel like. Have you, have you ever heard that song, Brandy? Yes. Okay, so yes, Brandon loves that, that Brandy, song. Brandy, you're a fine girl, fine. And she, he talks you're about like you make a fine wife, you'd be. Uh huh. But the life that my loving my lady is the sea. Is the that's like that's a good Brandy. beach song. I agree. I know. I, I look. I try not to listen to it unless I am at the beach because it just makes me sad. 
It didn't really. No, it I wish I was at a beach. It doesn't really make me sad, but I like that song. I'll probably listen to it when we get done here. Brandon has like a whole playlist. He calls it his like, it's like his oldies playlist. And we always listen to it at the beach. It's like a lot of beach music, you know, and just like oldie, old music. I can't listen to it unless like it's summertime or I'm at the beach or it really will just put me into a state. And now even just thinking about it, I may go into a state after this is done. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. You know it's January. Oh, no. <laughs> get this get this girl somewhere south fast. <laughs> okay. So, that was kind of a, you know, short and condensed synopsis of mermaids, where they come from, what they mean. Uh, so, I wanted to take a look, though, at some, like, different mermaid sightings. Because, I guess, unlike the Basilisk, people think that they still see and have seen mermaids. Well, to be fair, so this- you know... People may have maybe seen the basilisk, but <laughs> that's true. They that's have true. not lived to tell the tale. Okay, yeah, yes, that is very true. If you are a ghost out there and you have seen a basilisk, write in to our podcast and let us know your story. You can just type it up on my laptop while I'm asleep, and I'll just open it up the next morning. It's fine. You any? I ain't even got to know you've been here. It's fine. Just don't eat my M and M's on my table, please. So. One historical uh, account of mermaid sightings, which is kind of funny, uh, comes from Christopher Columbus during his exploration of the Caribbean. Uh, He thought he saw mermaids, but uh, scientists uh, say that these sightings were most likely just manatees or other aquatic animals. And I said, dummy, LOL. Now, I don't have you. I don't know if you've ever seen a manatee. That'd be a hefty lady. She'd be a big, bigger gal. Uh, now it would look like yeah. I do have a soft spot spot for manatees. I would love to swim. So I would love to swim with them one day. You can go. There's a place in Clearwater, Florida, where you can swim with them. But uh, are you familiar with uh, Barbara Manatee? I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, cl- <laughs> clearly not. That's so. If <laughs> is that a human? If you have, if you uh, were a fan of Veggie Tales back in the day, if you don't know what Veggie Tales is, it's basically like a Christian uh, series of vegetables doing Bible tales. But you know, Larry will do silly songs with Larry, and so my favorite silly song with Larry is Barbara Manatee, where Larry sings to a manatee and he dances with a manatee, and it's like Barbara Manatee, 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 you are the one from me. Anyways. Barbara Manatee was my favorite silly song with Larry. If you know what I'm talking about, please contact me because I sang that song for like a solid like year. Me and one of my friends like in middle school, it was like one of those weird middle school things where we saw we thought it was like ironic and funny that we were singing like a Veggie Tales song. It's kind of sad, but I, look her up, look her up, baby. She's beautiful. Uh to this day, anytime I can't find my hairbrush, I have to sing. Where is my hairbrush? Well, Barbara Manatee trumps the hairbrush song. It does. Okay, I'll put I'll put a little snippet on the Instagram just just for y'all. Do, okay, do it trump water buffalo. I prefer it over water buffalo. Yes. Now I know everybody likes water buffalo. I prefer Barbara Manatee, and a lot of people that are listening to this podcast probably don't even have any clue what we're talking about. <laughs> So you gotta follow us on Instagram. We'll we'll update you on that. We'll update you. 
Okay, anyways, we're out of Barbara Vanity uh, land. We're in 1943, and we're in the, I don't know if I'm saying this right, the Kai Islands, the K Islands, um, which are in Indonesia. So during World War II, Japanese soldiers were stationed in a 555 square mile in the K Kai, I think it's Kai, Kai Islands in Indonesia. And in this area, uh, there had been some odd encounters with what the locals considered mermaids. So the local villagers, they called the creatures that they were seeing the Orang Ikan, which translates to manfish. And the creatures were described as being about 150 centimeters tall, spikes on the spine, they had shoulders and a neck, and they had pink salmon colored skin and a mouth that looked kind of like a carp. Um, but they did not have a fish tail, though. They had arms and frog-like legs that apparently had talons at the end. So, like, it was a man fish, so a mermaid, but not quite just the regular body of a man and tail of a fish. It was, like, literally half fish, half man, just, like, stuck together all over different parts of the body. So, it looks, it sounds gross. I'm not here for it. The pink salmon skin just reminded me of, like, when Mr. Krabs loses his shell uh, in Spongebob and he just <laughs> looks like Mitch McConnell. I'd just be thinking about <laughs> what you just described is, like, how a platypus is just, like, a hodgepodge of random things. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. times ten. Yeah, picture it like that. Exactly like that. Just a nasty manfish with pink salmon skin. So, while the Japanese soldiers were stationed on the island, they also had some encounters with the creatures, and a sergeant named Mr. Taro spoke to the villagers, and he requested that if any Orang Ikan were captured, that he be contacted immediately, no matter if the creature was dead or alive. Like, he wanted to see it. So... Soon after uh, he gave this command, the chief um, of the villagers summoned the sergeant and he, uh, when the sergeant got there, what he described, he said it was a roughly four foot nine inch tall uh, thing with pinkish skin, human looking face and limbs, spikes along its head and a mouth like a carp. So the sergeant was shook by this. He was like, We've got to let people see what the heck this thing is. Like, it's a manfish, and it looks wild. So, after the war, you know, we were in a war right now. There wasn't really... We had other things to worry about other than the manfish. But after the war, he was, like, worked really hard uh, to get the scientific community involved to see, you know, like, what was this. But I guess nobody believed him or didn't want to talk to him, and nothing ever came of it. Which I would think, he's a sergeant in the military, and you're not gonna at least be like, hey, we'll at least, like, come take a look at it, or whatever. Or, like, look at a picture of it. I don't know. Unless they were like, listen, you already know too much. We're gonna just act like you're crazy, you know, rather than admit Mm -hmm. that this is real. That's true, that's true, that's a very good, yeah. I mean, after World War II... I mean, I guess Japan didn't want to be known as the, the country who has discovered a man fish and just sound, you know, crazy to the rest of the world because they got this weird pink colored skin looking thing. <laughs> um, 
now, now we're jumping ahead a little bit. We're in 1998, uh, my favorite year, as it's the year of my birth. Uh, there was a mermaid sighting in Kalua, Kona, Hawaii. Oh. And uh-huh. so a diver um, with the last name Liker or Leecher, I think it's Liker, claims that he got the first ever documented proof that mermaids exist. So the diver operate, operated slash operates, he may still operate it, I wasn't clear, um, the Jack's diving locker of Kauai and when he was about 20 minutes from the Kauai coast he you know he was doing a dive and he had some people like on the boat with him but went out with him and he saw what looked like a naked woman swimming with a pod of dolphins and he was like you know what that's weird he said but the weirdest part is that the woman was keeping pace with the dolphins so, like, she was keeping up with them. And then all of a sudden, she jumped into the air, like, out of the water, like a dolphin. And he realized that her lower body wasn't legs, but it was a fishtail. And she said, he said that she had long flowing hair and one of the most beautiful faces he had ever seen. Which, just, you know, I guess, I guess to be a mermaid, you gotta be beautiful. That's what I'm getting from this. Unless you're the uh, thing in Indonesia. Yeah, unless you got salmon skin. <laughs> so, when the mermaid or creature jumped from the water, there were ten people on the boat that also saw it, but they said that it only jumped out of the water, like, two times, and then it disappeared. So, at that point, I think they were all kind of like, what in the heck just happened? But they assumed, you know, whatever it was, it swim away, and it ain't coming back. But about an hour later, after uh, the diver was like, surely this mermaid's gone. Uh, He was doing some like underwater photography, getting some pictures of some sea life. When all of a sudden the same mermaid came and brushed up against him and he was able to snap pictures of the mermaid. And he said, quote, I feel very lucky that I'm the one who finally... Um, got to prove to the world what people here have known for half a century. He said, the Kauai Point Mermaid is real. And Weekly World News uh, had the pictures analyzed by three, like, noted photography labs. And all of them said that the photos are genuine and have not been tampered with. And I looked up the picture that he took and it literally looks like a fake picture of a mermaid. But, like, it straight up looks like a mermaid. But it's like a shadow, almost. So it was interesting. But apparently these pictures have been confirmed. I'm trying to find it. But literally, the picture that I found is, like, when you go to the aquarium and they have ladies dressed like mermaids. <laughs> so I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Look up Jack's diving locker, um, dot com. That is like the website of his like diving company, and that's where I found it. Um, I'm pretty sure. So if you're listening, you can look it up there. I might post a picture. You know, it is what it is. But I'm I'm looking at it, and if this is the one, it just don't it don't seem let me see. it don't seem real. I can't tell. I th- yes, I think that's it. But the photographers in the world say that it's real. Now, real as in the picture may not be doctored. Uh, mermaid? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, shit. They, they, he could have just gotten a lady dressed up in a tail for this. 
Who's well, t- she had ten people to back him up, so I couldn't say. Mm, I couldn't say, but uh, now this last this last sighting is a little mysterious, but it was interesting. So in 2012, there was apparently a sighting in Zimbabwe. There were some people working on a dam who were trying to install a water pump, which was like really crucial to the area's like agriculture. So they hired some local divers to go see what was blocking the pump because I guess they were having like issues. And when the divers came up, they said that they would never return again because what the, of what they saw like down there. And so the area really needed this dam. So Sam Sipepa Nakomo, I really hope I said that right. I hope I typed it right. Um, it may have been a typo, but he was the water resource minister. He told the Senate committee that the village chiefs needed to go there and perform an ancient ritual to get rid of the mermaid. So I guess the workers were like, man, we saw a fucking mermaid. We're not going back. So the water resource minister was like, hey, we need some chiefs to go do this ritual to get rid of the mermaids so these workers can quit being so scared and go back down there and get the work done. So, the chiefs went, they did the ritual. It was complete, and they were like, you know, it's good. The workers still would not go back. So, at that point, the government was like, what the heck? They started to get skeptical. They said they thought the workers' reasons for quitting, um, and the, like, the reason they thought they saw a mermaid was just, like, a cultural thing. So, I guess they hired people outside of the area that wouldn't have the same, like, cultural beliefs to go down there and do the work instead, but the new workers apparently also saw the same thing, like a mermaid, and refused to finish the dam. And to this day, the dam is still not completed. Interesting. Now, do you think that it was just a scary-looking mermaid, or you think it was just a mermaid and they were like, <laughs> ooh, nope, absolutely not? Well, to me, it's got to be a scary one, but, like, I picture it as, like, you get down there, maybe it's one of those grotesque uh, Irish mermaids, and they get down there and they're like, oh. God. So, I don't know, but, like, is it the same mermaid? Is it, like, a group of mermaids trying to, like, mug your shit once you get down there? to like, give me all your money? <laughs> I don't know. Do you think she says anything to them? Because I would think, like, the, I if, don't know if, if a mermaid's just chilling down there, that's kind of one thing. But, like, maybe she's like, you better not build this dam or I'm going to come up there and f- fuck your shit up. I know, maybe, like, they go down there and she does say, like, yeah, you better not build this shit because, you know, she probably lives down there. Uh, she might say, you know, I could cause, like, a terrible storm or I hope if you build this dam, I'm just going to knock it down. I'm not really sure, uh, but I wouldn't test her, and these people clearly did not want to. No, I don't know. I guess it would depend on how she looked. If she looked super scary... I'd probably have to peace out immediately, but if she looks friendly, I might have to ask her a question or two. You know, I feel that because it it could be like a it could be like an aquamarine situation. We become really good friends, you know. We go to the mall. See, you know, I assume it's not an aquamarine type mermaid. I'm gonna go with a, a scary mermaid that probably says some stuff like, "I swear to God, you better not come back down here. I'm gonna kill you next time." I mean, at that point, I wouldn't go back. I mean, shit. Even if I thought they were bluffing, what's the point? What's the point? But it was interesting that they literally never finished it because the way they were talking about it was like, that dam was very important to that, like, area. And so, I guess the people were like, you know what? We get it. Crazy-ass mermaid. Don't worry about it, man. 
Now, those are some sightings of mermaids. My last little thing, uh, it's just kind of, it's just kind of a little funny thing. Uh, so apparently back in the 1800s, there was this thing called the Fiji mermaid. Oh, yes. And it, yes. I yes. have, okay, so a little, a little throwback <laughs> to a few weeks ago when we did the St. Augustine, not the St. Augustine's episode, but when I talked about St. Augustine's being haunted and I talked about uh-huh. the Ripley's Believe It or Not museum that is down in St. Augustine's, Florida, they have the actual Fiji mermaid. Damn. I synced it with my eyes. Well, for those of you that don't know, this is how it was described on the internet. So basically, the Fiji mermaid, it was displayed back in the 1800s as like a common feature of different sideshows. And it was supposedly half mammal, half fish. Um, and it was first exhibited in London in 1822. And then later in America by P.T. Barnum starting in, like, 1842. However, it turns out this mermaid, not a mermaid at all. It was a hoax. They were able to trace it back, uh, and I think it was a creation by, like, a a Japanese fisherman. And it was said to actually be the head and torso of a juvenile monkey that was sewn to the back half of a fish. And, you know, I've never seen it in person, but on the internet, that bitch looked wild and scary. (laughs) Yes, it's very small. It's not as big as you would think Uh when you think of a mermaid. Uh, And I just think it's interesting because, like, so I, full disclosure, and Taylor knows this, I don't like the movie The Greatest Showman. It is not good. Mm-mm. And I don't like it if I want a movie about P.T. Barnum, I want it to be, like, accurate. I want you to know that he is a sleazy con artist. But I kind of want, like, they could have played into that, you know? Instead, they casted uh-huh. Hugh Jackman. But basically, he, like, really hyped it up and was like, yeah, this is a real fucking mermaid. And people waited in line for hours and paid money to go see it just because he had hyped it up so much but yeah it is fucking wild and if you go just another reason to go to st augustine's florida they got it ripley's believe it or not i know i really want to see it now now that i know it's there i've got to go see it i have to i'll be back to st augustine one day we'll take a trip i'll take i'll take you there So, you know, clearly mermaids continue to fascinate us humans to this day. You know, they're in pop culture. They're in uh, logos, as we already talked about, Starbucks. Uh, Obviously, the Little Mermaid, which is probably like the first time I even knew what a mermaid was. Um, And also we have, you know, H2O. Yeah. Which was funny. (laughs) Cleo. Cleo. It was funny, the way that uh, Wikipedia described it, it described it as an Australian teen dramedy that chronicles the adventures of three modern-day mermaids on the Gold Coast of Australia. So I was like, yep, that about sums it up. Absolutely. Uh, Let's not forget Aquamarine, one of the best movies of all time. True, true. True. So, that is all I have on The Mermaid, the history, some sightings, some pop culture, some monkey with a fish tail. That's all I got, okay? God, what else do you the want end. from her? Damn. <laughs> there was literally so much information, though. Like, there was 
every culture had like their own distinct story, blah, blah, blah. Which is why I try, I kind of tried to like talk about just like its significance in those cultures. But if I did everything, we would, we would have been here for hours and hours. I get that. I get that. I feel like that's with any sort of like creature, like, like Bigfoot, he's got all over the Mm -hmm. place. True. But thank you for that story. I do, I've always found sirens very interesting, but I'm also very into Greek mythology, so. I am too. I did a, well, you know, at the school I went to, it was like, we really focused on like Greek and Roman, like classic uh, learning. So in sixth grade, we like really studied Greek mythology and I was like, this is so interesting. Other than the Odyssey, the rest of it was pretty cool. Yeah. I like, I wanted to learn more about Norse mythology. I don't really know much about it, but it seems interesting to me. We'll have to come up with a theme for that so you can do some research. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Write that down. (laughs) She wrote it down. I did. Well, thank you for that story. I enjoyed it. Our theme for next week is Australian murders. Or or what I'm referring to as throw another murder on the Bobby. (laughs) I hope that's not offensive. Couldn't say. Ain't never been to Australia. Ain't never been to Australia. But, I have watched some shows about Australia, and uh, like, honestly, them people wild. Yeah, you know what I watched this Australian? H2O, just out of water. <laughs> uh, yeah. I watched a uh, a show that was like, they it was like Airbnbs. You would go stay at other people's Airbnbs, and it was in Australia. Now, that was interesting. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was real good. Anyways... So, you should follow us on Instagram. We have a lot of visuals that we can put in from this episode, like, truly. We do. We gotta remember to put them in. Taylor's gonna write them down as Uh she edits this episode, so double fucking remember. Uh You should also follow us on Twitter. We won't have as many visuals, but we will still have Mm -hmm. some visuals. Our Instagram is gonna sound weird pod, and our Twitter is gonna sound weird. And join the Facebook group. Please join the Facebook group. We will probably not post anything about the episode, but we will post about anything and everything else. So that should be fun. This is true. And also, if you're trying to, you know, maybe you're trying to escape political stuff. I I have never posted anything political in there. So come on down. I, I haven't either. The last thing I posted was just like a funny thing. It was like a Bob's Burgers picture or something. I don't even know. Uh, but if you got a weird story that you want to tell us about, uh, please send us an email at this is going to sound weird at gmail.com. We're going to send you something. I promise we will send you a koozie. We may send you a sticker. We may send you in whatever you want. You know, we'll send it. Well, within reason, we will you know send you the <laughs> deed to Taylor's house. God send us a story. Absolutely not. I think I think Brandon would uh, not be okay with that one. I can send you a piece of paper that says deed on it, and then it just says Taylor's house on it. And I don't think the bank's going to accept that, but you can give it a shot. I mean, you could take that straight to yeah. the bank, but will you get anything back? I don't know. <laughs> but thank you for listening. We will see y'all next week, hopefully. Yep. Yep, Lord willing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay weird. Goodbye. Goodbye.